If you've been paying attention to sports news, you know the Las Vegas Raiders have had a bumpy few years with allegations, resignations, and injuries. Last Thursday, they announced a brand new president, Sandra Douglas Morgan. Could this signal a new beginning for the team? Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I get to talk to Heidi Fang, a host for the podcast Vegas Nation and award-winning videographer for the Review Journal. She's going to tell us how the Raiders have dealt with their rough year. It's Monday, July 11th, 2022. I'm Vogue Robinson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Heidi, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I really am excited to be here to talk with you all today. Yeah, me too. I'm glad to have you. Uh, So you've been a sports writer for 20 years, which is super cool because that is dedication. And I'd love to know, like Vegas finally has a football team, the infamous Raiders. Uh, How does this make you feel? Well, as I came into this town, it was the last thing that I expected was going to happen within a year of working for the Las Vegas Review Journal. But as the Golden Knights came and then the Raiders, you know, you started just seeing this town develop into being a sports town. They already had UNLV and the Run and Rebels with their great run in the 90s. And you had iconic figures like Jerry Tarkanian from that time and the towel chewing that he would do uh, (laughs) when he would watch the players from the sidelines, you know. So those are things that I remembered already about Las Vegas. But as it started to grow and just watching the city grow on top of that because sports fans started coming in and buying property and taking like this very seriously about my team is here now. I want to be in that city too. I knew Mm. a lady that I met the day after the Raiders uh, had passed the bill with the different committees that needed to approve the move. She decided that she had to sell her place in the Bay Area and she had to come get herself a condominium out here. And that's what she did. <laughs> and she got thing, girl. She's a hardcore fan. Yes, yes. yes. So and she said she'd been following the teams and she was a little girl. And that's a lot of what with the Raiders where they're concerned. A lot of the fan base is is people who, as they always say, are born into it. And so that fan base has really stuck with it through it all. <laughs> Raider Nation. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Emphasis on nation. How do you feel Oakland or how did you observe that Oakland reacted to the move? Well, you know, it was hard for a lot of the fans. We would go in and there would be a lot of signs like, you know, keep the team here, no moving, like just tons of signs that the fans would have. Because once it moved to Allegiant, part of what happened with Allegiant is the personal seat licenses. And when that happened, some of the fan base did get priced out because the price ticket, I believe, for Allegiant Stadium is the second highest in the NFL. So a lot of the original fans that are blue collar, salt of the people that 
you know, I would have to travel. Most people can't just up and move to Las Vegas like the lady I spoke of earlier. Mm -hmm. So for them, going through that process means buying a plane ticket, finding a hotel, coming out here for a weekend, and everything else that comes along with it. Con you know, the condiments that you buy inside, the shirts that you want, the program to remember uh, it. If you're going to gamble, it's you know. It's racking up. <laughs> exactly. Right. That, that list of things that you are going to get that trip mm -hmm. is, is much more expensive. Yeah. So it takes a lot of extra time for everybody to kind of adapt to that and to be able to afford that and to be able to it, it just on the base level be able to come out to enjoy a game okay so you talked about we just went through how oakland responded how do you feel vegas responded to the move it's interesting because vegas at the time um that the raiders were talking about the movement coming up had just experienced a record season with their first hockey team the golden knights and you saw the entire city get behind the vegas golden knights mm. so as las vegas raiders were talking about coming in it started to feel like okay well, some of us are already fans of another football team. I like the Bears. I like the Dolphins. I like the 49ers. I like My the Rams. My husband likes the Steelers. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that's the thing about Las Vegas in a sense is that it's a very transient city. A lot of people that have come here are not born here. And when you think about how much that changes the landscape for an NFL team coming in, it makes it a lot different. Mm. And it's become a destination place for a lot of people who want to check out the new stadium, who want to see their team play and be able to come out for a weekend and spend it with their friends. And there's, in some sense, nothing wrong with that. But in the sense of if you are a diehard Raider fan and you want the stadium to be blacked out with all black home jerseys, that's getting tougher to get. And it's created this strange inside of Allegiant environment where yeah. most of the time you have the home city rooting behind the home team and you're really pushing for them. And it's it, it gives such an advantage that it's causing penalties to the other team because they can't hear their play they calls. They can't focus. Right. But that isn't the case here so much. What we're getting now is some of, of a mixture. There was so many times where it felt like maybe some of the fans that were inside of Allegiant didn't know how they should react to a certain play. And even Derek Carr, the quarterback, came out at one point and said, you know, when we are on offense, the home crowd should be quiet <laughs> because we need to hear their, in their helmets the play calls. And uh, it, it was kind of reversed. The home crowd was like, cheering, yeah, there's all. And, and it took them a while, I think, for Vegas to really embrace it. And now you're starting to see a lot of the fan base kind of come out here, whether they relocate for the season or they fly in. I know there's a guy from Sunnyvale that drives in for games. There's somebody from Oakland. She takes flights all the time. And these are your diehard core fan base people that will follow the team no matter what. Yeah. I know, you know, back in the 90s, the Raiders fans had this this hardcore reputation and, and kind of has that hot mess background. What do you think about some of those comments? Well, um, the Raiders fan base to me has always been the blue collar guys. And when I grew up in uh, San Jose, California, that's when you would go to a game at the Coliseum 
what the fan base was. Then it moved to LA. And I think what you're kind of referring to is the association that it had with like gangster rap, because you had like Ice Cube and everybody wearing the starter jackets and the hats. And so people took that as the persona and perception of Raider Nation. But that's not they're not bad people like I there you could say there's bad within every fan base you know and Mm. it's not like I think when you look at the outside of what they're wearing or what the clothes are I think the whole point behind silver and black you know the original colors of the Raiders were not silver and black they were yellow and black and that goes back to pre-Al Davis when Al Davis came in and became the owner of the Raiders he changed the colors why did he change the colors you might ask because that's not something that is typical of any NFL team he changed the colors to look intimidating he said he wanted the opponents that saw them come into the field to be intimidated so i think it it's worked <laughs> yeah for sure i know that one of the players rugs got into this terrible car accident Mm. very early in their move to Las Vegas. And thinking about him and thinking about other players who are very young and have a very large income that they are not accustomed to. Is it a good idea? Is Vegas kind of, is that a smart place to put these young players? Yeah. Here's what I've always thought about that. Trouble is where you find it. And Las Vegas can be as much of a detriment to any young player as New York City, as Miami, as San Francisco, as being in Dallas. Anybody, anywhere can find trouble if you welcome it in and just give in to the every impulse, if you will. The situation with Henry Ruggs is tragic. There's no other way to put that. It's tragic on all levels. In fact, it's crazy. I was down that street today I don't normally take that street. And it just happenstance that we're talking about this today that I was going down that street and this posted speed limit everywhere. It's like 45 to 35 at different parts of the road. So he was going 156 miles an hour down that street. Wow. And to think he took somebody's life by speeding at uncontrollable and reckless speeds. And is he human? And do people make mistakes? Absolutely. And I'm sorry, I'm looking down, you know, I'm talking to this, those who can't see, I, I'm just, it's hard for me to discuss yeah, this situation. No, um, because I, I had to, you know, live through what uh, the accident itself was by covering it as a journalist. It's, it's morbid. It's hard to think of how many other lives of people who love Tin- Tina Tintor were changed by that moment. And it, all of it could have been prevented. Absolutely. But part of, you know, being a, a sports person, <laughs> you know, those are things that you never think that you're going to encounter. And yeah. so it was really, huh. really difficult. And um, like, yeah, I mean, a compartmentalizing. I don't even know how the team was able to compartmentalize and move on as quickly as they had to. Right. And even that... I I know that after that car crash, then their head coach resigned because of the New York Times put out that investigation and, and said that he was, there were some racist and homophobic things that he said in his email. I know I would be so super upset about both of those things. Um, can you speak to that relationship between the team members and how they how they treat one another and their head coaches? Yeah, well, you know what's really great about this team uh, I watched Derek Carr again, the quarterback of the team, week after week, 
have to take the podium. And I don't know how he did it. I honestly don't. He had just really spectacularly handled the situation in the ways that I couldn't even imagine how he pulled himself together to do. Just seeing even just that for the team, this they lost a piece of who they were, not just with Henry Ruggs at that point, but John Gruden. And there couldn't have been a better man than the interim coach to take the position. And he had had an extensive career as a coach, about 40 years worth, Rich Bisaccia. But when you think about just everything in that stretch that happened from Henry Ruggs to John Gruden, they lost a captain to injury. They lost Darren Waller during their Thanksgiving game to injury. Then these are people that are key members on the team. They lost um, you know, Arnett shortly after to some hate posts that he had put up on social media and go through all of that that they went through game after game after game a little bit's getting chopped a little bit and they get to the playoffs it was kind of insane to think about but just that kind of rally cry that they had it felt like week after week there was a different man stepping up for the team saying we can do this you don't don't count us out and there's a lot a cliche it might sound like but in the end, it was ultimately what I think kept pushing them was that mentality. And people who don't follow sports, I feel like they may not think about how important a player's mental state is and how that affects how they play the game. Can you speak to that, that that impact of focus? Oh, it's very important. Yeah. I mean, if you think about anything that an athlete goes through, here's what I know one player does in his actual day. He starts off 5 a.m., goes in, gets his uh, whatever kind of nutrition he needs to put into his body. And then he goes and does some workout and warm up. And then he goes into some meetings and then they go to the field and they do some walkthroughs and then they do some practicing and then they do the practice for the media. And then they go back to more meetings and watch tape. And then he goes into the weight room and works out there. And then he comes back and you just think about the actual daily grind is very grueling, especially on your body. And so if your mind is not where it needs to be, then it's not going to help you. And what's great about the Raiders is that they have two players, Max Crosby, and there's others, but these are the two that come to mind. Max Crosby, who's a defensive end for the team, and Darren Waller, who's a tight end for the team. They have both been through tremendous struggles. Darren Waller and Max Crosby are both recovered addicts. And they both talk about meditating, mantras, bringing in the right energy every day. And because they are leaders within their specific position groups, they have been able to really been been people that the team can come to, to talk to, to be there. And they've been there through all of this. Also, last year, they had another man named Solomon Thomas, whose sister took his her life. Uh, at a young age. And he has a group called the defensive line. And you think about just those three stories and there's others as well, but just think about those three stories and how much it took for them to continue to play at a high level. And it's to see that mental fortitude, I think was uh, just a light for some of the others that could just gravitate towards. Yeah. That, that inspiration to keep going and, and, and like you said, to play at a high level, mm-hmm. uh, but also at the same time thinking a split second on the field, their focus slipping can be life changing. Huge. For them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a game where you have a 300 pound man coming at you that wants to put you in the dirt. 
And if you don't get rid of your football or if you don't run the right route or if the guard in front of you isn't protecting you or if you are supposed to run to the left and you forgot and you just went straight and the ball comes and then you're not there, then it's an interception. You know, there's all these little things that can happen within a second. And it it takes everything that you have and every day to get out there, to put on your cleats, to put on the shoulder pads and to know that you are going to be putting your knuckles into the dirt until they turn white. Woo. Yeah. It's not a game, but it's a game. <laughs> Gladiator stuff right here. Gladiators. Level. Word. Uh, so let's talk about the recent news. I heard in May, Colin Kaepernick worked out with the Raiders and that's like an audition. Uh, so how did that go? Yeah, so auditions happen a lot in the NFL. They'll constantly bring in people to have that opportunity. Colin Kaepernick hadn't had it in almost six years, I believe. Now, there's been some talk that it didn't go as well as they had wanted, but the coach, Josh McDaniels, kept it close to the vest. And he just said to us that they do evaluations all the time. They bring in people all the time. They did bring in Colin Kaepernick. He confirmed that, but that was all that he really said about the workout, he didn't give us a yay, A plus, or a boo, F. You know, he failed. So we don't know exactly what the performance looked like. What are the chances he might join the team? I don't think so at this point. There's always a probability that if somebody were to get hurt, that they would maybe go back to who they have worked out besides Kaepernick, because that name comes up because it's a big ticket name that um, obviously had his stance on issues and took his stance and, and and did everything that he wanted to to show to people in the world that you know police violence and standing up for your rights and any racism and things like that is all very important and the thing that i've always said about it is the nfl has this campaign in racism they put it on the back of every man's helmet they put it on the end zone they paint it on the field but are you embodying that mm -hmm. if you aren't looking at Colin Kaepernick? Now, of course, everybody says, but is he qualified, especially as many years as he's been out of the NFL? But I, if somebody fell out, I think it would take two people at this point to be hurt for the Raiders to go back to the drawing board and look at any of the quarterbacks that they did work out in this offseason time and say, you know what? He was ready. Let's bring him in. But at this point, I don't think so, because they do have a guy that they've invested some work into named Jared Stidham that's working as a backup to Derek Carr. And then beyond that, they have another guy, Nick Mullins. And beyond that, they have a guy named Chase Garbers. Right. That's a stack. That's a deck. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so they might be all right. Yeah. OK. So last Thursday, Heidi, I heard we have a new black woman president. Can you tell us about Sandra Douglas Morgan and why she was hired? Okay, honestly, how much time do I have? Bullet <laughs> point. Here it is. So she's Las Vegan and a product of El Dorado High School out here. She hey. has worked in tremendous amounts of uh, areas in Las Vegas to Bill Foley's uh, Fidelity National Group, to being on the Nevada Gaming Control Board, to being the first, she was the first chairwoman there too, breaking two barriers as the first black chairwoman of the Nevada Gaming Control Board. And then She's been a part of other companies like Allegiant and being a lawyer and all of these things. So she's been somebody that has throughout time put together just an outstanding resume. And the opportunity that we had to meet Sandra Douglas Morgan was really just 
she mesmerized me <laughs> with the qualifications, with the skill set, with everything that she has to the background of what she has uh, acquired on her resume. All of those things help you to lead an NFL team for so many reasons. Yeah, because I was ask, what's the job? Yeah. <laughs> so what is that job? As a president, you're dealing with the office, taking care of money and financials taking care of what's happening in the community, putting together the right type of campaigns for what you want the Raiders representation to be out in the the public, and also the community when they do these events, when everything I've been to, when they go out, let's say, I think it was uh, Rancho High School, and they gave them a new field that cost about $200,000 because out there in Clark and Rancho, they didn't have those kinds of resources and facilities. And the Raiders came in and upgraded them. And I think to this point, they've upgraded eight fields in Las Vegas for kids in the community. So she would be a part of that. And the main part of it is the financials and the culture. And Knowing that she has the background that she does and able to manage billion-dollar budgets as she has in the past, that okay. that doesn't, to me, think uh, any ways or means that she's not going to have everything tightened down to the button because I think that is really important to this organization to get the right things in place financially as they move in and and come become this team here in Las Vegas and establish themselves. And I like the fact that she came out in her press conference and said that nothing will be swept under the rug. She's going to look into everything. Lately, there's been a lot of allegations about the team. She said she's going to look into every single one. And I like that attitude. And I like that she said this team and is about family and trying to really harness in what it means to be a Raider and have commitment to excellence. Mm, oh, I love that. And I love how you just told like that story that you gave us this arc for her. Thank you so much. <laughs> I try. It's always the third act. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Stick the landing. Uh, so why should Las Vegas folks be invested in the Raiders progress or the lack thereof? Oh man. Yeah. Basically just <laughs> this is important. I think for the community and the economy to have a team here right now, it's created jobs. It's created the different events throughout town. I, remember I went to just the other day a high school to watch Devonte Adams practice with a bunch of kids. Like it's just you don't see that in every place. The opportunity a lot of the kids have had to go in. There was a Nike Eleven on event that happened in Allegiant Stadium where eight high schools local got to come play in there. Where are you gonna get that? And the thing that I like about Las Vegas is it's one city where you can look up at one point and see all of the outside barriers of the town. So this is a community that is really tight knit as much as the city feels like it's getting bigger and bigger. It is a tight knit, close community. And the Raiders are trying to put their imprint on it in a positive way. And I think that that is something for all Las Vegans to hold on to. Oh, I love that. I do want to invite you. Please let the listeners know what is your podcast, how they um, find you, how they find you if they want to read or listen to your voice some more. Yeah, so just go to uh, lvrj.com for anything, uh, particularly vegasnation.com. It's uh, all the Raiders stuff and news that we put up all the time. I do multimedia for them. So I have like everything from videos to articles to podcasts. It's all there, vegasnation.com. On social media, both Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Heidi Fang. Oh, and the radio show, I 
I do every morning on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m., 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., Monday through Friday. It's called The Morning Tailgate. The Morning Tailgate. Get into it, y'all. Thank you so much, Heidi Fang, for being on the show. We'll get you next time. Looking forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much. I'm happy to do this for you. Before you go, here's a couple of things you should know. Stuff you should know. So, security is about to get tight on Fremont Street. Get ready for metal detectors and bag checks next time you roll or stroll (laughs) down (laughs) through that canopy. (laughs) On the weekends, there will be a curfew for folks under 21. This is in response to a recent outbreak of violence there. Personally, I hope we can provide more 24-hour resources for parents and children in our 24-hour city. Speaking of, in Nevada, it costs an average of $12,000 for a year of childcare, But new federal funds will help qualified parents pay for it. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, do us a favor and share it with a friend. Rate the show and leave us a review. You should never be bored in our city. So go ahead and subscribe to our morning newsletter so that you can hear about news, classes, and events all around town. We'll be back tomorrow morning with a shiny new episode. Take good care. For sure. It's why I don't have earrings because I'm I'm this. Yep. So like yep, I, when yep, I perform, yep, I can't yep. be in the streets yeah. talking about <laughs> ding, ding, ding. sound like a wind chime in a poem. <laughs> you know how many times I've lost an earring because of that? Yes. <laughs> I I can imagine because that is my life too.